welcome to the Inspired Word of God. I'm Marcia. My subject today is, He's Closer Than You Think. Psalm 73, 11. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? In the sight of God, evil is done. We don't think it is seen by God, but we don't see him, so we don't think he's around. But he is here, and he sees everything that we do, and he hears everything that we say. Psalms 94, 7 through 10. Yet they say, the Lord shall not see, neither shall the Lord of Jacob regard it. Understand, you brutish among the people, and you fools, when will you be wise? He that planted the ear, shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? He that chastiseth the heathen, shall not he correct? He that teaches man knowledge, shall not he know? God created us, giving us our ears, eyes, and other members of our body. How could he not know what goes on in our lives? He sees and he knows, as it says in Psalms 44:21. Shall not God search this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Psalms 139, 1-6 says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and know me. Thou know my downsitting and my uprising. Thou understands my thoughts afar off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou know it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. In his sovereignty and divine nature, being God, he knows these things about each of us. And there are a lot of us. Why would he not know what our actions are? He's our creator. I do understand that this is something some people may struggle with. You halfway accept miracles that he does, but the thought of him seeing everything that we do is a little too much for you to accept. We don't get to pull the curtain where God is concerned. We can only do that with people. First Kings 13, 1 through 10. I've told this story before from a different perspective, but it's about the young prophet that was sent by God to give a message to Jeroboam. And he was given specific instructions by God as to what to do, what to say, where to go, and where not to go. And if you read in 1 Kings 13.11, the young prophet is confronted by an older prophet who invites him back to his house to eat. The young prophet disobeys God, and he goes with this prophet. And as soon as he's finished eating, the Lord speaks 
a word to the old prophet to deliver to him. And it's a message of his doom for disobedience. The young prophet lost his life because of disobedience. The last time I spoke about this prophet, I was speaking about obedience and disobedience. I use this story again to make this point that nobody can hide from God. And in this young prophet's case, nobody yelled up to God to say, Hey God, did you see that? He went to the old man's house and ate. No one needed to say anything to God. God saw everything. He know what he told the young man to do. He told him what not to do. And he watched an older man come along, identify himself as an old prophet, and invite him back to eat. And he watched as this young man accepted in disobedience. Why do we think that God can't see us when we are disobedient, when we partake in sin? He sees us on our good days, and he sees us on our bad ones. He sees us when we give in to temptation and when we sin. Genesis 2.25, it says, And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. This is talking about Adam and Eve and being in the garden. Adam and Eve walked around naked and had no clue that they were naked. And therefore, the emotion of shame and embarrassment was not an issue. Not until their eyes were opened to sin. And their eyes were opened because of disobedience. The sin that occurred because they first were disobedient and out of disobedience of eating from the tree that they were forbidden to eat from, their eyes were open to everything good and evil. And so was their emotions because they felt shame and embarrassment at the nakedness and they hid themselves when they heard God in the garden. Genesis 3, 7 to 11. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree? Wherefore I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? God knew what Adam and Eve did. He knew they ate from that tree. But they were given free choice to do that. We are given free choice, free will. Conviction of wrongdoing was upon Adam and Eve as they hid from the Lord. Genesis 3, 9 through 10, he asked them, where are you? And Adam told God he was hiding because he was naked. And God asked him, who told you that you were naked? We think we can get away with stuff, but we really can't. We never can where God is concerned. 
Genesis 4, 9. Here's another one. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Just as God called out to Adam, he asked Cain where his brother was. He already had the answer. When we get that feeling of conviction upon our heart from wrongdoing, we try to play it off, but we know that we've done wrong. God was already aware of what he did to Abel, but he will bring it before you as he did Adam. Remember, he asked him, where are you? Any other time that he had communed with Adam, Adam was not hiding in the garden. But this particular time, he was because something had changed. God already knew what happened with Abel at the hands of Cain. But he asked him, where is your brother? And Cain tried to play it off and say, am I my brother's keeper? God told him, Abel's blood cries out to me from the ground. What did you do? Just like Adam hiding, Cain was acting nonchalant. That was his way of hiding the truth of what he did to his brother. We think we can get by with acts like nothing has happened. But God sees and he knows. And the change in both of these men was quite apparent. Why am I always talking about the sin that we do and turning our lives to Christ and living the right way? Because everyone loves hearing about the love of God. And it's very popular to hear about the miracles he does and the blessings that he will give us. There's absolutely nothing wrong with talking about the love of God and the blessings that he gives us and those great things that he will do for us. Because if we are obedient to him, if we live our life serving him and we live a righteous life, he does incredible things. And even for sinners, when they call out, he does incredible things for them. But he wants us to live righteous. He wants us to live that right way of living according to his word. Because there's no sin in heaven and you're not going to go if you're full of it. So why is it that people can't tell about the wrath of God? He tells us clearly what we should do and what we should not do. And we already know that he does miracles because they are in the word. But nobody wants to talk about the wrath of God when you anger him to that point. And he's a very patient God. But there is a point where you take it too far and you will feel his wrath. And if you continue in the sin and you won't stop, you're not gonna make it into heaven. We like to talk about the goodness of God and those blessings because it helps us scoot the sin off to the side, get it out of the way for a while, make room for something good. But that is the deception. You can't push sin aside and make room for something good once the good wears old, you are going to grab that sin pile and continue on with it. Clean your house, not your box-style house, your mansion house, your tiny house, whatever kind of house you live in, your apartment. That's not the one I'm talking about. I'm talking about the one that 
houses your brain and your heart and your spirit and contains arms, eyes, nose, ears, mouth, legs, feet, that house. Clean your house, your body, your temple. Declutter what is stored inside your heart. Declutter so your spirit will make the right connection with God instead of the wrong connection, which is the devil. Speaking of connections, have you ever seen an extension cord with frayed wires hanging out of it? You should know automatically that that is a fire hazard. If you keep using it, it increases the chance of either an electrical shock or burning down your house. That is what it is like when you are connected to sin and the devil. Your electrical cord is frayed and sparks are flying everywhere. If you keep that connection going, you're going to burn down the house if you don't electrocute yourself first. Either way you look at it, death is the outcome. Just because you can't see God doesn't mean he can't see you and all that you do. We tune out anything that doesn't sound good, those things we don't want to hear. And we want to hear people in ministry always preach about the miracles and the blessings and what God's going to do for you because you're going through some turmoil. And he's going to protect you from that storm raging in your life. But the minute we talk about you're not going to heaven if you don't stop doing that, or when you stir up the wrath of God, he will kill off a nation. Nobody wants to hear that. But if you read his word, you will read how he disciplined people, how he disciplined the disobedient, how he wiped out nations because of disobedience, because of pagan practices. For many, many reasons, his wrath came down upon individuals and or a group of people, a nation, because of things that they did. And wouldn't you know that if you read those words in the Bible, you will find out when his wrath came down upon them, they were doing the very same things that we see people doing right now in our present day, the very same things. Nothing's changed but the time that has passed from ancient to millennial. So the saga continues. God places people in your path. You hear something random about God or something in your life happens and you ignore it or you brush it off as coincidence and you keep going. You carry on with what you're doing and you go about your life and you don't give it another thought. Don't get mad at God when that day comes and your life is up here on earth and you die. And as you pass from the physical realm to the spirit realm, you don't waltz into heaven like you think you're going to, but instead you fall into that darkness, into the hands of torment, otherwise known as hell. You will not pass out and know nothing. You will live through the torment and you will be aware of it forever and ever. And forever and ever is a mighty long time. And we can't comprehend that because we're standing here in the physical right now. Yet 
we know that we want to live forever. Everybody's always looking for a reason and for a solution on how you can live forever. But they want to live forever here on earth in their physical body that they have right now. They want to live forever as they're doing right now and continue on in life and life's pleasures forever here. But it's not going to happen here. It's going to happen one of two places, either in heaven with God and paradise and peace and harmony forever or hell, torment, pain and agony forever. Hell is real, just like heaven is real and God is real. Mark nine forty three forty four, the scripture is written in red letters, which means that Jesus is speaking. And it states, And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Just because you choose not to believe that there is a devil or a hell, that doesn't mean that the truth is going to go away because they both exist. And just because you don't believe in heaven or believe in God, that doesn't mean that he does not exist because he does. And so does his kingdom. And just because you believe that you're automatically going to waltz into heaven when you die, that does not make it true. Everyone believes something different. Usually that includes all things good and all things that work in your favor. Those preachers who are preaching feel-good messages, those who want to entertain you and prance across the floor dancing and rile up the crowd, they are deceiving you. Yet you will go to battle with somebody for calling them a fraud. But God sees everything. He sees them behind closed doors as he sees them out there on that stage prancing around. And he knows who's real with him and who's not. And someday you'll find out. I'm not saying that God doesn't do good things for us or love us because he does. But he still expects us to choose to live for him. He's not going to make us do it. He's going to give us that free choice to do it. It is our choice. And he doesn't mean to straddle the fence. He doesn't want one of your legs on the wild side and one of your legs on the sunny side on Sunday morning. That's a fence straddler. He doesn't want you living wild and free Monday through Saturday, holier than thou on Sunday. He doesn't want that. Gracing the church with your presence on Sunday, whether you have a hangover or not, is not going to get you into heaven. But choosing to be real, truthful, and honest with him, having that one-on-one -on -one conversation with him, getting into his word and living according to his word, that'll make the difference. Only God and the people who are currently residing in hell know how they got there. Some did not believe. Some believed and fell away. Some chose to listen to preachers who deceived them because that preacher was a false prophet. Some refused to listen when people tried to talk to them and they would get mad at them and curse them out. And they said they would live their life how they wanted to. 
And so they did. That person in hell now knows that he or she should have sought the truth for themselves. They should have listened. But now is too late for them. Don't take my word for any of this. Open your Bible and read it. If you open your Bible and you truly search out God and you tell him that you want to know more about him, he will open your understanding. You will feel him working in your spirit and guiding you. And you will read about his character. You will read about his truths. You will read about what he wants us to do and not do. And you will read about all those nations in the Old Testament, the ones that kept straddling the fence, going back and forth. And you will read what happened to them. You will read about the ones who were obedient and what happened for them, about what it means to live for God and how God relates to those who serve him. And you will read about what he wants us to do when it comes to a righteous life and what he says about disobedience. Those who refuse to follow him and his word and their destination. He is coming back for a church without blemish. How do you remove a stain? You remove it, in this case, from the spiritual standpoint, by serving God, cleaning the sin out of your life and removing the sin. God is not playing a game of life here. He is not playing with us. He is very serious. It would be wise if you would not play with him. When you walk and live in sin, your heart is conditioned in it. You carry that mentality like luggage. Your spirit is not connected to God because you choose to serve those things not of God. You can listen to preaching all day long but the best connection to God is talking to him and reading his word. Once you do that, he will reveal things to you. Speak to your spirit. And in time, you will begin to have a change of heart, a change in attitude and character. You will undergo a spiritual transformation that the hand of God will reshape and mold. When you are ready to connect with him, you will feel his touch you will feel his presence, and when he touches your heart and your spirit, you will know a peace. No one will have to describe it to you. When he makes his presence known, you will know. Don't think that God is billions of light years away. The walls around us, the brick buildings, the brick houses, the buildings made of steel, nothing blocks his view of you and all that you do. He is closer than you think. My closing prayer, Titus 1.16, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. Lord, I pray against that spirit of reprobate. It will destroy the soul, the unprincipled, morally depraved, wicked, rejected by you, beyond hope of salvation. Lord, you give us free will, and as much as you desire for us to be saved, there will be those who refuse your word, refuse you, and refuse to listen. It doesn't have to be that way, though. But you are not playing a game here. 
It says in Romans 1, 28 through 32, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, immersible, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Lord, everyone has a choice to turn away from that thing in their lives that separates them from you. I am praying they choose you over unrighteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'll say, King Jesus will